Hello, everyone. My name is Joshua Gilliland, one of the founding attorneys on The Legal Geeks. With me today for a special podcast is California Judge Carol Nahara from Southern California and Thomas Harper, captain in the United States Army, a JAG officer who is a great <laughs> friend of the blog and podcast. Your Honor, how are you today? Uh, Josh, I'm terrific today. Excellent. And having a hot summer day here in Southern California. <laughs> Outstanding. Uh, Thomas, how are you? Thomas. Good. I, I heard the judge was on. I got my summons, so I'm, I'm here as ordered <laughs> and uh, ready to rock. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, Your Honor, you're, uh, we met at Comic-Con last year, and you were on a panel with us this year for Star Wars, and some of the material we're going to talk about is from that, and specifically on interrogations. But uh, we understand that you have quite the Star Wars and Marvel collection in your chambers. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. Josh, I've been collecting Star Wars for about the last 20 years. I started with the little cards, and it just went from there. I started putting things in my chambers when I became a judge, and it ended up that I, I have a section devoted now to Star Wars, a little shelf devoted to Star Trek, <laughs> and I have a section for Marvel and a little section for the fantasy, the Harry Potter and the Lord of the Rings, just a little bit of everything, but it's, it's pretty extensive. I've been collecting from Comic-Con every year, and I think I'm the envy of every judge in the courthouse. <laughs> I look forward to you meeting Judge Matthew Sherino in New York, because he, too, has a decorated chambers, and you two could be really good friends. So, uh, well, let's chat about the issue today, and that's interrogation, and, and Star Wars has it appear and many of the films where there's some gloating and some other form of heavy-handed uh, tactics to extract information, and between Your Honor and, and Thomas, we want to be able to help break this down for our listeners of, you know, if any of these were proper, uh, and if they're not, why they're not. So let's first start with A New Hope, and where we have Darth Vader have Princess Leia drugged to tell him the location of the rebel base. So, Your Honor, your thoughts on that? Well, for a interrogation that is going to uh, start the rights of, of the individual under the Fifth and Sixth Amendment, first you need to have an interrogation, meaning someone is asking questions. Then you need to have it being done by a public or a, a person of a authority for the government and it has to be in a setting that the person the individual doesn't believe that they can leave so it has to be custodial now with princess leia clearly uh there were questions asked and in fact they were being asked by the ito droid i believe and i think in the name of the droid itself is the word interrogation <laughs> so you know that there is an interrogation about to go on there and it is being done by the, the, the highest of the government officials, second only to the emperor, and that's Darth Vader. And clearly she is in custody with no apparent right to leave. So she has a right to remain silent, which Darth Vader basically ignores and doesn't even consider. So any information that they get from her isn't allowable. And in fact, she would have a civil suit against them after this was all over for any damages she had as, as a result of this 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 heinous interrogation, especially 
when you understand the ITO droid can cause you to hallucinate, to have seizures. It's, it's just about the ultimate in terms of interrogation and torture, or they would call enhanced interrogation with regards to the uh, empire. So the only way it would even consider, could be considered coming in is if it was used to impeach something at a trial. But sometimes even for impeachment purposes, it wouldn't come in if what they did was so heinous. And in this case, I think anyone would say that the ITO droid is the very definition of heinous. Thomas, putting on your JAG officer hat, if, if this sort of thing came in across your desk for something you would have to defend, what would be your reaction? Well, I think about it in terms of two contexts. And uh, Judge, yeah. you laid it out. You laid out the the framework really well. But I think, you know, I would look at it in terms of of what what's the purpose in this interrogation? Is it military oriented or criminal oriented? So, in other words, what is the the information that we're trying to get from this subject uh, through the interrogation from the military context. I think in my mind, that's what this interrogation fits into. This is a, um, you know, related to a combat operation. You've got, uh, you know, Darth Vader and the rest of the, the leadership on the death star trying desperately to try and to find out where the rebel base is, not just to snuff out that movement, but to, you know, they, there's a threat out there, right? They've just stolen the plans from, Scarif, and uh, it's exposed a weakness in the Death Star's build. And uh, you know, while the Empire doesn't take it, you know, completely seriously, there is some threat out there. Um, it, you know, it's less clear to me that they want to, you know, prosecute Leia. Um, from the, you know, from the former side, the military side, I, you know, I don't. You're going to have a hard time justifying this one. You know, ever since 2008, 2009, you had an executive order that uh, all interrogation techniques have to be drawn from what's known as field manual 34-52. So FM for short, that lays out your, your, you know, intelligence uh, interrogation techniques. I think, um, you know, the judge will probably touch on this later, but using a, an automated droid that's just like a floating needle <laughs> with truth serum, I think falls outside of that. I don't think FM 34-52 has anything about, uh, you know, robot, uh, interrogators in it, but uh, you know, even on the criminal side, I, I think this falls squarely outside of um, anything that would be allowable. Interestingly, the judge talked about like a custodial interrogation. the The military has a much broader interpretation of that. So you're, by virtue of being in the uniform and on active duty, you're considered always in custody. You know, because you could technically be, you know, sent out at any time, you know, my free time is not my own. I'm sitting here. I could get a call to be recalled to base and I'd have to go. Right. Um, and so for that, from that standpoint, if you're interrogated or, or questioned about an offense from anybody that's subject to the uniform code of military justice, you got to be read your, uh, what they call, uh, Arti article 31 Bravo rights. So they mirror, uh, your Miranda rights, but that provides, that's a much more expansive basis because if I just have you in my office, so if Darth Vader just brings Leia into his, you know, office aboard the Death Star, probably clad in like black and, and silver tones, I imagine, um, and he's questioning her about the rebel base or her status as a, a rebel um, and she's somehow subject to the code, he's got he's to question or he's got to advise her of those rights first before he can question her. Otherwise, 
all those same rules for violating somebody's Miranda rights come into play. Fruit of the poisonous tree comes in and, and it gets real sticky from there. Well, let's switch to Poe because he's uh, more military, you know, being part of the resistance in, in The Force Awakens than, say, Leia as a senator uh, in A New Hope. So I do think there could be some differences there. Uh, I, definitely both are, are prisoners. And in The Force Awakens, we have uh, Kylo Ren extract information directly from Poe's mind. And Poe was definitely roughed up prior to uh, that mental extraction uh, with, with physical coercion. So let's, uh, Your Honor, could you sh share your thoughts on uh, those issues with Poe's interrogation? Sure. And Poe's is a little different issues than Leia's in that with Poe, what they did is they went into his mind and Kylo Ren used his mind to extract, used the force, not his mind, he used just the force to extract thoughts straight out of Poe Dameron's mind. Now, in California, they've discussed whether you can extract bodily things from a person. And specifically, we've talked about in California is blood. And can you extract blood from people to determine uh, if they're under the influence of uh, while driving or just under the influence of an illegal substance? And it has been determined by the uh, Supreme Court that, in fact, to extract blood itself, and this is the U.S. Supreme Court, you have to have a warrant. You have to have probable cause, and you have to have a signed warrant. So probable cause alone is not enough. You also have to have the, it reviewed by a judge and then signed. And in clearly, what Kylo Ren is doing is analogous to that. He is pulling something out of a person's mind with absolutely no warrant whatsoever. And the question becomes, does he really have probable cause? I mean, he doesn't know. He's heard a lot of hearsay and whatnot that, you know, Poe Dameron may or may not know where Luke Skywalker is. And as it turns out, he doesn't know where Luke Skywalker is. So there really isn't probable cause to get a search warrant in this situation. Now, with regards to the fact that he's roughed up and, in fact, to use this, the force to take these ideas from a person is torture. And under the latest draft of 18 U.S.C. 2340 to 2340 a torture is defined as when you physically injure someone in, in such a degree that it can cause organ failure, impairment of bodily functions, or even when... Kylo is trying to take those thoughts from him. He's almost seizing. And you can, you can make the argument that, of course, they are, in fact, torturing him. And this is beyond what enhanced interrogation would allow, even under military justice. Thomas, your thoughts? I, I just want to say that I like that uh, the First Order has learned no lessons in terms of the Empire's problems with torture. This is like, I, you know, as I've been, you know, going over material and whatnot, it's a little, like, unnerving how like pervasive the the topic of torture is within the star wars universe um and unfortunately i don't think yet that uh the first order is gonna clean up their act coming into the last jedi but uh you know here I, it, you draw like a very a very clean distinction between the the lay interrogation which I mean, you could make an argument that there's some sort of exigent circumstances there I, I, does it justify what was done to her you know, I don't know. I don't believe so. It's still right outside of the, the FM. Um, but look at what's happening to Poe, right? They're, they're not 
the first order is not trying to glean intelligence on the resistance base. They're not trying to glean military secrets from uh, the the Republic uh, military, which Poe had served in. This is purely like a side trip that's uh, you know set out by Snoke and and being executed by Kylo. Uh, like the location of Luke on his little like hovel at Acto has no bearing on the first order's military target or military objectives. And so I, you know, I, I come back to that field manual again and, and right there in black and white, it's, you know, 38, 40 page document. You can't, you can't hurt somebody. You can't apply beatings, electric shocks. I would assume that if the force existed in our world, there would be like a, a another little clause and it'd be like intrusive forced mind trick techniques or something along those lines um but yeah you know it's this one to me is even even clear on the the side of wrong here so yeah it's uh, a great way to learn what not to do from, from star wars which which brings us to the latest movie but the I, I actually no go on no i, I was gonna say so i you know in my in my job uh before this one, uh, advising on operational law, you know, part of the training that we give the soldiers is, uh, you know, how, detainee treatment, you know, because not every not every soldier is going to be in a position to have to interrogate, uh, you know, a detainee or somebody else. But every soldier could be in the position of taking a prisoner of war or some other type of detainee. And one of the basic rules is, you know, we've got these uh, these ten core rules. That that we call the soldiers rules. And one of them is, and, and they all deal, or a, a lot of them deal with the uh, you know, respectful treatment of folks on the battlefield. But one of those is, is no torture. Right. And, you know, from that standpoint, it's a little disheartening to see that uh, old Kylo is not setting a very good example for all his, his stormtrooper minions there in the first order. Well, that both he and Vader have a strong tradition of corporal punishment and just being being horrible uh with you know from force choking admirals to kylo you know pulling a guy across the room to choke him with what girl you know the ultimate gatekeeper move and so like there's a lot of lot to unpack with those guys and from a uh, uh just an hr perspective let alone an interrogation one because you know, bumping off an admiral without a performance improvement plan is a bit extreme, but but, but that, that's a digression. Let's, uh, you know, uh, one thing, just as a little side note, they, the 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 first order and the empire before it are leaving them open to so many lawsuits civilly for all of these violations of constitutional rights that it's a wonder they have the money to build a second Death Star. Yeah, or, or the, or all the work that takes place on Starkiller Base. It's like that's pretty extreme. That's uh, you're gonna go. I mean, that's borderline terraforming at that point in time to change a planet to that degree. Which brings us to our third example of uh, Saw Gerrera, the Bogoli, and Bodhi Rook. And Your Honor, what are your thoughts on on what happens to to Rook? Well, I guess. The- with regards to what happened to poor old Bodhi, he is basically a kidnapped victim of many, many crimes. <laughs> there is absolutely no way you can say that anything that Salgara did uh, had anything to do with the government. 
it was, it doesn't involve constitutional rights. It involves him just being the victim of a bunch of criminal acts. He's kidnapped. He is falsely imprisoned. He is assaulted. He's, and you can argue that it's, he's almost the victim of attempted murder. There is no way, and the question becomes, is the Borgalot in any way culpable? If it's not a sentient being, then really what it is is like a, a killer dog or an attack dog that, you know, has no culpability in this, and it's all Salgera. And uh, in this case, it's just he's a criminal, and everything about there are about four or five different crimes that I said that he could be convicted of and also be liable for and tort and civilly to be sued. So there's just nothing that he did that was right. <laughs> I will say the empire took out quick justice on him and, mm-hmm. you know, it, like quickly instituted the death penalty for him and all of his partisan brethren there. <laughs> so justice came pretty swift. Um, <laughs> In the form of a yes. war crime and destroying the city. Yes. That's uh... uh don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't details, worry about all that. Details, details. It's a mining. It's a, it's a mining disaster. That's that's what you have to call it. I think. Yeah, I think that's what they're calling it. Which brings us to one of the other forms of of torture that the empire has, and that's, you know, I made them watch, like you know, making Princess Leia, you know, watch the destruction of Alderaan, or you know, from uh, the the season finale of Rebels with. You know, making uh, Agent Callus watch the the assault on the rebel base. Uh, you know, do you have any thoughts on on that, Your Honor, with with that being a form of coercion? Well, clearly, it's it's a form of coercion. It's basically no different than saying, you know, tell us what we want, do what we want you to do, or else we will kill your loved ones. And in this case, it's clearly this is what we're doing. We can do this to other people and other other people that you love. We can destroy other bases that you want to protect. And it's basically um, it's blackmail. <laughs> it's it's they're, they're basically it's a form of blackmail. It's a form of torture, though not it's oddly enough it's not a form of torture that is recognized by the government because it doesn't involve a physical injury of some kind. But clearly, you know, if you, you can argue that it is a, a mental a mental assault. And in this case, basically they're behaving like criminals and what they're doing is it couldn't, could not be done by the government legally sanctioned because they're engaging in criminal acts against these individuals uh, to coerce them to do something that maybe they would be inclined to do. Even if it's, it's no, the ends justifies the means and we don't accept that in law. And that's basically what they're saying. Well, we need to get this result, so it's worth it to us to, to do this to you. So clearly they're just basically behaving like thugs at that point. Yeah, especially with Leia and Tarkin, when you think of it, it was in the form of a plea deal in order to get the location of the rebel base. Uh, Tarkin had no intent of honoring said plea deal in order to <laughs> uh, you know, find out the location of where the rebels were. Which You're talking about the same, the same man that sent a, a ship full of pirates straight into a sun. So he is it's constantly, sad. he is the constant emperor on the fr- forefront of, uh, you know, terroristic uh, torture techniques. <laughs> you know, with the watching, I, the, the closest that I could liken it to would be there's an uh, fake executions are outlawed. So, you know, in other words, you're sitting in a prison cell and they fire off around 
in another prison cell and, and you, you think that one of your cohorts has been killed, except the Empire doesn't have any problem doing it for real. It's Alderaan or the Rebel Fleet or, or whoever, you know, whoever the audience is. And so I think, I, I think it's implied. It might not be outright stated that it's a prohibited technique out there, but um, I think it's pretty safe to say if you had U.S. forces that were, you know, executing folks in view of another prisoner so that they could glean information from them, they'd, uh, they'd be in a little bit of hot water. The, uh, in the law, they, in some inter- interrogation-type uh, venues, the police can use ruses of some kind in an attempt to get an individual to talk about whatever it is they're trying to find out. And these ruses are fairly benign. It's basically we have more information, and so we're going to trick you into thinking we have this information so you'll talk. And that's about as far as the ruse has ever been allowed to go. So it's like you said, the, this, this isn't even, even if it was just a ruse, it's going too far. But this isn't even a ruse with them. This is like we're going to destroy everyone you love, and you're going to deal with the aftermath. <laughs> and we will make you watch. So, yes. yeah. Tarkin was one evil dude. I just, on one level, I was very glad to see him in Rogue One because we didn't get to you know a lot of him from the original Star Wars because he's the bad guy that is is killed at the end with the other million plus people on the Death Star. So getting to see him uh, in uh, Clone Wars once or twice and Rebels multiple times has been fun. Uh, I do think that the Tarkin we saw in Rogue One was more like what we've seen in Rebels, uh, personality-wise and behavior, and, and not just because he was animated, but I do think he was a little closer to that mark. Which brings us to you know, some closing thoughts. Your Honor, uh, what do you love about Star Wars? Uh, I... <laughs> Star Wars came into being at a time when I was about 17. And it just, it almost changed my world because before that, we never had anything like that. We never had these epic stories. And I used to read epic stories and I loved reading them, but to see it all come to life on the screen. I mean, there was some great animation out there that dealt with epic stories, but it was, we were coming off the era of movies like Midnight Cowboy and Panic and Needle Park and things that were just kind of very realistic, but there, there wasn't that fantasy and that sci-fi and that dreaming and the, the epic story that we could all be a part of and we could be heroes. And, and it was just, it was just a great time. And it, it was a huge shift in a paramount shift in the way people looked at good and evil and the way you could be a part of it. And I guess to me, it, it just changed my life. <laughs> It made me want to be a good guy and actively think, I'm going to go out there and be a good guy. I want to be a hero. Awesome. And not torture. Yeah, <laughs> not torture people. Or, or mess up their, you know, deny them their rights. <laughs> oh, those are all bad things. All bad things. Which brings us to, uh, you know, you, you talked about your change chambers, but let's talk about Comic-Con. Now, you uh, did you pick up any treasures at this past Comic-Con that, that have now gone into your chambers? I did. I, I picked up a few things, but the thing I think I love the most is I got the uh, Luke Skywalker Landspeeder. Ooh, and it's, very it's, nice. 
it's so, I mean, I have it on its own shelf and I was <laughs> coveting it and I was hoping I could get it. And it was just sure luck that I got it. A friend who was a friend who got in line and somehow managed to get like the last one. It, it's just, I look at it and it just makes me smile. And I got this other thing that actually wasn't, it wasn't a sought after item, but I just love it. It's a little droid that is a perpetual calendar and it's got it in, in droid and in English, and the numbers are also in binary and in English. And I just, it just, I sit it on my desk and it makes me smile. So, and I got, of course, I got one of Thor's hammers so that I could have a gavel that was Thor's hammer. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Now. <laughs> oh, by Odin's beard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I have it. How many Comic-Cons have you been to? I started going to Comic-Con in 1987. Wow. That was my first Comic-Con. And it was just my husband saw an ad for it, and we went down to San Diego on a Saturday and just bought a ticket and walked in. And it was just, it was amazing. (laughs) They were doing a panel on the Watchmen, and some people were dressed up like the Watchmen characters and talking about it. Awesome. They had a lot of anime. And then uh, I'd be going off and on for years after that, and I think the last seven or eight years have just gone straight. Because I just I love it. It's it is pretty epic. The you know the experience of it's cool and just being able to participate and, and see other geeks who love you know the things we all love is a neat experience for everyone. Uh, how did you enjoy presenting on our judges panel? It was one of the most exciting things that I've ever done. I, make, I tell my friends it was one of the things on my bucket list to actually be a panelist at Comic-Con. And the thing about Comic-Con, I think the reason I go, it isn't even the people who come, it isn't seeing the panels, it's that it's the people in line. I always make friends. I always meet people there and we end up exchanging numbers and we, we, we try to hook up the following year and it just... I have met so many great people at Comic-Con just in lines and talking about our shared interests that it's really a communal thing that, that brings us all together. And, and it's a camaraderie that I can't, I can't even explain and I can't duplicate anyplace else. What stands out to you from this past year that, that you loved, uh, you know, excluding the panel that, that, we, that we had? So the other thing that shines besides our panel. Um, you know, I met uh, some really nice kids who were all in film school. We were in line for all age. And uh, we met like s- these six kids who were all from L.A. and they were all in film school. And they were all telling me about their, what they wanted to make, the movies they wanted to make. And, and I won't tell you any because these are, you know, they may actually make these movies someday. But it was just, it really was fascinating to hear them because they all sounded like I could someday see these kids up there. And I'd be watching their movies. And it was just so much fun. And they were just, they were just adorable. They're just a great little group of six, six young men that I just thought were lovely. And that's what I just remember their movies because we spent a long time talking about every movie they were going to make. <laughs> what were you in Jedi line? Too, electric. <laughs> <laughs> what were you in line for for Hall H? Um, I love Marvel, obviously, and I wanted to see that panel. And I wanted to see Steven Spielberg. I've never seen Steven Spielberg at Comic-Con until this past time. So I wanted to see that. And it was, he was presenting for Ready Player One. Oh, and okay. I had read the book. And I just thought, how is that book ever going to be made into a movie? So <laughs> I wanted to see that. Very cool. Yeah, it, well, this was my third time going. And I've never attempted Hall H. 
you know, it's just one of those, you know, there's 25 other panels happening simultaneously. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's like, pick your battles. And, uh, you know, I toyed with Ballroom 20 to see the Star Trek Discovery panel. And that, that was a, a bit too intense. Uh, but there were lots of others that we saw uh, that were, were a lot of fun. But, yeah, there, there's no shortage of content. Uh, <laughs> that, is, that is amazing. So, so with that, uh, uh, hopefully next year, Thomas will, will join our, our merry band and we can, you know, chat away and, and have fun in line. Uh, it'll be my first time. It'll be, it'll be worth it. It's, it'll be delightful. <laughs> you will love it. Now, Stick with me, kid. I'll teach you the ropes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. Well, your, your honor and, and uh, Thomas, thank you so much both for your time and for everyone who's tuned in. Thank you so much. If you've enjoyed our podcasts, now please leave a review. Uh, you can do so on, on iTunes. You can also hear us on Stitcher and Google Play. And for everyone who's tuned in, thank you all and stay geeky, America. Stay geeky. <laughs>